Welcome to Get Up in the Cool, old-time music with Cameron DeWitt and friends. This week's friend is Amy Hawkinson. We recorded this about a month ago at my house in Portland, Oregon. Shout out to Stephen Jarvis and Sailor Stephen for supporting Get Up in the Cool on Patreon. This show takes a lot of my time and energy and money, so it means a lot that you decided to chip in and make the show possible. Thank you so much, and enjoy your exclusive bonus content. I also want to thank Elderly Instruments in Lansing, Michigan for sharing Get Up in the Cool online with their customers and increasing the reach of the show. Next time you need an instrument upgrade or new music gear, visit their online store at elderly.com. I'm going on tour in the second half of April with Jake Blunt. We're playing D.C., Baltimore, Lancaster, Brooklyn, New Haven, Providence, Boston, and Portland. So, if you're in any of those areas, RSVP on Facebook, come on out, and please invite all your friends. I'm including links to all our performances in this episode's show notes. You can find those on whatever app you're using to listen to this. Amy has an album release show tomorrow night in Portland, so stick around after the interview for details. And if you're not in Portland, still stick around because I'll tell you where to order the album online. But first, here's my interview and jam with Amy Hawkinson. Enjoy. Thank you. 
Amy Hawkinson, welcome to Get Up In The Cool. Thank you. I met you because you were receiving some career, music career advice um, yeah. of questionable value. It's a business meeting of yeah. some kind. Uh, at, a, at a coffee shop in, in Portland and um, I uh, was trying not to eavesdrop but then I kept hearing trad music, fiddle, <laughs> banjo and I was like, okay, I should probably introduce myself. And then I heard Hawkinson and I was like, this must be uh, Ellie's sister because mm -hmm. I met um, Ellie in Australia. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and then um, I went to your show and I saw your band and it was awesome. Mm -hmm. And now you're playing um, this with me. Yeah. <laughs> what are you playing? Yep. It's called a nickel harpa, or for the Americans, a nickel harpa. Um, it's a Swedish folk instrument. You may know it from the playing of Vesen, the band. They've played at Wintergrass and they've sort oh. of broken out into the into the American roots music scene here and there. Um, yeah, it's a traditional Swedish key fiddle. That's what nickel harpa means, key fiddle. Yeah, um, what do you mean by key fiddle? Well, so, describe yeah. this so people can see it at home. <laughs> That's really hard to do. Yeah. So what I have said in the past is like, it's sort of like an accordion and a violin had a baby with yeah. sympathetic Aww. strings. But then I can't even imagine what people are picturing in their mind's eye when I say that because it probably doesn't look like an accordion. I mean, it doesn't look like an accordion. Yeah. But it's got keys on the left hand like an accordion and they are chromatically laid out and they're actually painted like piano keys. Um, so there's like light oh. painted ones. Yeah, so there's like- oh, I didn't even notice that. It's, yeah, it's not super obvious at first, but it is, you know, it does have keys um, that you press on, huh. which sort of fret the string. And then it's bowed in the right hand with this little short bow. Um, and it's tuned uh, C, G, C, A. So Whoa, almost- why? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Somebody in Sweden over the last century decided that's a good okay. tuning. Um, yeah, some people tune it to fifths, so it's like a viola tuning. Yeah. Some people, there have been lots of innovations in the nickel harpa world right. um, in the last 30 or so years, especially. So people are building f ones with four rows. Mine has three rows. It's a three row chromatic nickel harpa. Yeah. That's the full title. Um, and people are doing lots of different things, but this is sort of the traditional run of the mill, Upland, Sweden, Nickel Harpa Town, standard fare. It's like your your five string banjo. I don't know. Nickel There's lots Har of different kinds of banjos, but you see Nickel Harpa Town. Oh, I, I'm just. Oh, I was like, is there a, a town? Or well, to, to <laughs> be come from? to be honest, yes. There there is a, a Scandinavian music is very regionally specific. Mm -hmm. So the Nickel Harpa really does come from the Upland province of Sweden. So the area north of Stockholm. Um, and that's where the highest concentration of nickel harpa playing has been for the last 600 years or so. It's mostly been that region for whatever reason. Um, they've found paintings and like church carvings um, in various places around Scandinavia and all the way down in Denmark, I think there's some. And um, we think that it probably sort of evolved from different kinds of instruments from around Europe 
in the Baroque era. Having babies era. with each other. Yeah, kind of. It, it, there's, there's an even older version of this instrument which doesn't have the sympathetic strings, and that's mm. what's giving it that sort of reverby sound. Could, could you clarify what sympathetic strings means? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, it's a string that I don't actually manipulate in any way. So I'm not pressing a key to it. I'm not bowing it. Um, it's just sitting there, and it's tuned to a pitch. And so when you play that pitch, it keeps ringing. Yeah. I'm hoping that that's getting picked up. But yeah, it's, it will, yeah. It continues to, <laughs> to reverberate and vibrate, even though it's not being physically manipulated in any way. It's just the sound waves of the resonance of the instrument that right. are activating the strings and then they ring out because they're not being dampened by anything and that's why when we're playing together it sounds like you're playing in a different room than yes me. yeah <laughs> which is kind of so like, bizarre it's like your own portable um very analog reverb pedal yeah. <laughs> so i always because i've heard some like recordings before and i always sort of assume that like you know this instrument is just played in like a very resonant a space or, or a big hall or maybe even that they're putting that digital reverb on it mm -hmm. in post but then i like heard you come and play an old time jam in my house in, uh, a couple weeks ago and i was like what yeah <laughs> it's a it's a very interesting thing and it's um some baroque instruments like the viola de Moore had sympathetic strings um which were probably uh, came over from like Indian instruments and Indian traditions because they have sympathetic strings on their instruments. So it kind of like this, yeah, yeah. this, this theory, this thing that you can add to an instrument sort of traveled around and it stuck around in Scandinavia with the nickel harpa and the Hardinger fiddle, um, which also has sympathetic strings. The nickel harpa has a lot more of them. There's where are where are they? They're just underneath the playing string. Oh, it's just like right there next yeah, to it. Yeah, it's like a few millimeters. There, there's extra slots carved into the bridge and it's just a few millimeters down. And I yeah. just, it's just far down enough that I never actually hit it with, Interesting. The, with the bow. It yeah. kind of, it kind of looks like, um, the way the strings are laid out, it's it's a little bit similar to what like a twelve string guitar mm -hmm. looks like. Yeah. Yeah. But and it has it has twelve sympathetic strings, so one for each note of a chromatic scale. Right. Huh. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Yeah. I hope I painted a mind picture for everyone listening. <laughs> yeah, I think you did. <laughs> I would love for everyone to just sort of draw out like what they just yeah. heard and like those then old photos of yeah. um like rhinoceros there was a guy who like painted in a rhinoceros <laughs> just from the description of it <laughs> that'd be fun <laughs> yeah hmm. uh let's play another tune and then mm -hmm. i want to talk about um uh why you play this instrument sure um what tune shall we play sound some squirrels mm -hmm.
So you, you, you did not start playing the nickel harp, and that was not your beginning <clears throat> instrument. No, my beginning instrument was the fiddle, which I demanded to be allowed to play at the age of two. Yeah. <laughs> my older sister, who your listeners are acquainted with, Ellie yeah. Hawkinson, um, she started taking violin lessons when she was six, and I was two, and I wanted to play the fiddle as well, so my parents gave me like, I think they started me out with like a, a cigar box with some rubber bands on it and like a stick. Yeah. And they were like, here's your violin, and I was like, hmm. I want a, like a real violin, please. Good one, Dad. <laughs> and so my parents taught me, my mom taught me for a little while, and when I was three, I told her I wanted a real teacher, please. Great. Um, so they got, me, they got me started taking Suzuki lessons with a woman named Elisa Boynton, who is actually Finnish, oh, and really? I have become reacquainted with as an adult after getting into the Nordic oh, music awesome. and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, I started out on fiddle, doing Suzuki stuff. When I was probably around five or so, my dad taught us some fiddle tunes, Ashokan Farewell, I don't know, your yeah. standard fare, American bluegrassy old time fiddle music. Yeah. Um, and then we started sort of playing together as a band. Together, I mean, I was like, I would sing harmonies with my sister, and then as we all got a little better, we all started playing mm. music all together. Um, yeah, and that was that, and we did that for a, for a while, and then um, puberty was like not super fun with the family band. Like it turns out it's not super cool to be like in a band with your dad. No. Um, <laughs> so I definitely went through a little bit of a rebellious Phase, wasn't as happy to like wear matching Hawaiian shirts oh my God, and go to that, bluegrass festivals as a 13 year old. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so but El Ellie's totally cool with it. She's she like was, down. She, she always really thrived on it. I mean, I'm not her. I can't tell you what was going on in her brain. Yeah. But, but yeah, I don't she know. She at least I, put up with it. <laughs> she put up with it and she really loved bluegrass music. Yeah. Like, I always liked it a lot and it sort of feels like it feels like an old blanket like that you mm. like your childhood blanket like I'll put on an Earl uh, Earl Scruggs Plot and Scruggs album and it's like oh I'm like driving to orchestra with my dad listening yeah. to this it's yeah. like a cozy nostalgic feeling but it wasn't I wasn't like gonna go out and learn every Stuart Duncan lick ever and do that yeah and part of that was because I'm the middle child she's the older sister and there was there was an element of like, I want to be different from her. Yeah. I also wanted to like be her. So it was a little bit of a confusing, yeah. conflicting thing. Yeah. It's like older sister and she's awesome. She's so good. Right. And she like, you know, she's like this, this little fairy person out uh -huh. in the world playing fiddle music and stuff. And I was like, I want to be like that, but I also kind of want to be like my own person yeah. and not just Ellie's sister. So I started playing electric guitar and electric yeah. bass and I was like <laughs> I like Led Zeppelin yeah good um, and I got I got really into like weird uh, melodic death metal for a little bit in high Drop school some names. Not that oh I like I mean that. Joe Satriani's surfing with alien changed my life that's okay. not melodic death metal <laughs> yeah. but like that was like oh my god electric guitar can be so much more than I thought it could be I just and learned a lot about you that <laughs> <laughs> you said that <laughs> Your childhood, great. Love Satch. Um, 
I went through an Ingve Malmsteen phase, which I'm a little bit embarrassed about, but you know, he's cool. He played like Bach stuff on the electric guitar, so I connected with that with my classical violin sure. stuff. And then, I don't know, like Winter Sun, and then Sephirim and Children of Bodom, like some Finnish. It was pretty, pretty cool, man. Um, <laughs> and I was, I was kind of in that phase, and then the Punch Brothers came out with Punch, yeah. and I was like, oh, okay, I like bluegrass and like acoustic music again. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of funny, because like, the story of my life is like playing music as a kid, getting into like a bunch of indie rock and heavy metal and 80s hair metal weird stuff. And then like the Punch Brothers played at Wintergrass in 2008 and they released Punch that weekend. And I was 14 and having a rough time in life. And I was like, this is amazing music. This is the best thing that's ever happened. And at that Wintergrass, Vessen played for the first time as well with Daryl Inger and Mike Marshall. So it was this like critical point in my life where I was sort of reintroduced to not traditional because the Punch Brothers and sure, Besson are yeah. both not actually traditional in terms of like adhering to tradition, but they're playing traditional instruments and they're playing acoustic music yeah. and a lot of like really interesting instrumental music. Yeah. Not just like singing about going to heaven and drinking yeah. and losing your lady, which is like a lot of bluegrass music. Sure. But really weird boundary pushing instrumental music that just like hit all of my buttons yeah. and i was like this is awesome and got really into like i played acoustic guitar like all summer did a bunch of flat picking and then i did a summer of like mandolin and then i found the banjo which really was like this is awesome scrug style primarily um learning like all these weird known pakelney Things just spending eight hours a day all summer, yeah, noodling on the banjo, driving everyone in the house insane. Yeah, but <laughs> did that for a while, and Vessen sort of always just lingered. Like I got one of their records that first year at Wintergrass, two thousand eight, that they played, and then I got like another one. I got Vessen Street. So that first one was the one they did with Daryl and Mike, Daryl Inger and Mike Marshall. And then I got Vessen Street, and then I just sort of listened a little bit more to their stuff and started looking on the internet for other bands like that and other music like that and was getting more into it. And a friend of mine who used to work at KBOO, I think, sent me like a box full of these Scandinavian and Nordic folk records, like all just all of these CDs, like 30 CDs. KBOO knows what's up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he just like had them and was like, you seem to like this stuff. Do you want these? And I was like, yes. Oh my God. There's a whole world of this. It's not just Olav Jonsson and Mikko Marin and Roger Talrut, as great as they are. Um, and so I just like dove into it and loved it and wanted to travel over there and see Scandinavia and really wanted to learn one of these instruments. And I was captivated by the nickel harpa and had been since that first time Besson played at Wintergrass. And they would come back about every other year. They'll probably be back in 2020 because they seem to play every other year. Mm. So I always got this like dose of Besson and Swedish music and was really into it. And I, the thing that, that really caught me about it was some of these tunes that I would stumble onto in my like blind internet searching of like, what's a band like Vessen? I didn't know anything about the tradition, was they sounded like these like tunes my grandma played. Like they, I was like, that sounds like Red Wing. Yeah. Like that sounds like Soldier's Joy. This yeah. sounds like the music that I grew up listening to as a little itty bitty kid, but it's like different. It's like different in a way. And, it, and it's that thing where this European folk music came over and it just got smooshed together with 
slave traditions and other like American kinds of music and turned into the music that we have now that's like American old time music or American bluegrass music. It's all just kind of a, a bunch of these different traditions smushed together. And so I was just kind of focusing on one, one of those traditions, I guess, yeah. and got swept away by it. Yeah. And I, I went and visited Iceland in 2013, kind of on a whim. I saved some money and I was like, I want to go somewhere and I want to go to Iceland. So I'm going to go to Iceland and I went to Iceland. And then that was when I really decided I wanted to pursue this stuff and like get a Nico Harpa and go like learn how to play it and stuff. So then I did. <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of like little steps in hey, between. <laughs> yeah. I saved some money. I actually did like a crowdfunding thing for the last thousand dollars for my first Nickel Harpa. And I feel really bad, but I haven't like sent out all the cards that I said I yeah. was gonna, you know, like, cause then you, it's like, you have to track down everybody's addresses. And I moved to Sweden pretty soon yeah. after that ended. And now I'm sitting here and I'm like, I need to track all those people down and like yeah. thank them for the $10 they gave me. Yeah, totally. But I wrote a couple people tunes who gave me like the biggest amounts of money. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it just sort of worked out. Um, and I met Ulav from Vesson and took a workshop with him about a month after I got my nickel harpa. And he was like, I teach at this school in Sweden. And I was 20 at the time. And I was kind of like, yeah, I'll do that. I don't know. I had gone to college part time, didn't really know what I was going to do. Knew I liked music, but didn't really think it was worth it to get like a music performance degree somewhere. And so, yeah, my parents helped with some of the college money that they had set aside. And I worked like three jobs for a few months and like moved to Sweden for a year, um, which was amazing and awesome. And I got to learn from all of the best like living um, nickel harpa players and some of the best fiddle players over there in that tradition. And it was great. Great origin story. Yeah, man. <laughs> That's so good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <sighs> I feel really lucky that I was able to do all of that. Yeah. And, and had the support and was in a place in my life where I could do any of that. So, hmm. yeah. Well, all that being said, we should probably play um, a non-all-time Yeah, we tune. could play. <laughs> I made Cameron learn some polskas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of uh, dominant seventh chords in the Polska tradition. <laughs> I forgot uh, what tuning I was in. Um, <laughs> it was an accident. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, what do you want to play first? Um, whatever is easiest for you to tune to is probably the best. It's all equally far away. Okay. Um, <laughs> let's do uh, Fluden's Derud, the Polska after Augustine. The like really minor one. The, yeah. 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 Okay, cool, cool, cool. Uh, here I go. <laughs> Oh, it's wind charms. Wind charms. Coolio. Uh, this is like about someone dying. Who? What is this? Um, I don't actually remember the whole story with the name of it. I just learned it at school as Polska after August Berlin. And actually, this is factoid here. August Berlin is a guy who lived late 1800s, early 1900s, mm. and he designed the modern three-row chromatic nickel harpa. Oh, very good. So he is an important nickel harpa bro. 
Um, <laughs> and he passed along some good tunes. So if you see a Swedish tune that says Efter and then a name, they did not write it. Okay. They just famously played it, and their version of it is what's yeah. commonly known. If you see Av, A-V, after a Swedish tune and then somebody's name, they wrote it. Gotcha. So this is... That puts that makes a lot of sense mm -hmm. in Russian. Yeah. Yeah, great. this is Polska Efter August Berlin, and it's also called Fludens Dörd, which means this lady named Flud Fluden. Fluden. She's de she dead. Her death. Okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so tense for me. <laughs> that is so hard to play. Ah, uh, what a cool tune. That's so spooky. Mm-hmm. It's a spooky one. Um, <laughs> Fluden's dead. Sorry. Yeah, Fluden, she's dead. She dead. It is. It's a, I love that tune. It's a good one. It's really easy on Nickel Harpa, so. Great. Oh, well. <laughs> cool. Good. I'm glad for you. Uh, no, happy to put put uh -huh. in the work to it work. It sounded great. Thanks. It's so fun to play with banjo, because I've wanted to do that for a long time. I actually had my mom came to visit me in Sweden when I lived there um, for a year, mm. and she she only visited for a weekend. I lived there for a year, uh, so she brought my banjo over because oh, yeah. I like went backpacking around Iceland before I actually got to school in Sweden mm. and was carrying everything that I was going to own for a year. 
<laughs> so I was already carrying a nickel harp on like all my stuff and I wasn't going to lug around a like a resonator no. banjo. So she brought it and so then I had my banjo to play in Sweden as well and worked up, ended up working up some, some Polskas on yeah. the banjo and playing them in one of our concerts and stuff. I actually taught Ulam's youngest daughter to play the banjo oh, for cool. a little bit, which was... <laughs> really challenging when Swedish is your second language and you haven't spoken it very yeah. long and then this nine-year-old child does not speak English sure. really at all <laughs> so it was kind of like diving in so it was fun I was curious um, in old-time music we talk mm -hmm. uh, these days at least we talk a lot about like sort of who owns the music mm -hmm. and like who has a right to the music mm -hmm. and um, who's allowed to do what to it and it's mm -hmm sometimes very contentious and I was wondering um, what it's like um, and going to Sweden and like learning like are they open about it yeah willing to well, give it away or yeah there's some layers to that just like there probably <laughs> are anywhere sure um, my experience was that especially the younger folks in the in the folk scene are super welcoming and mm. open and inviting excited to meet somebody who's from another country yeah. and is interested in learning this tradition. Um, a lot of them were really excited to learn some of the tunes that I knew from like yeah. old time and bluegrass music. Um, they actually, I think it started in Sweden, the ethno camps. So ethno Sweden was the first one and it's, they take young people. I think you have to be 25 or younger and um, you can come from anywhere in the world, I guess. And the camp is set up where everybody teaches a tune from their tradition to everybody wow, else. Cool. And then they have like concerts. There's more to it. I didn't actually go to the ethno camp, but there's a big sort of emphasis on sharing the music and yeah. learning from other places. There's also parts of the tradition and parts of the community where people do want to preserve the tradition. They do want to maintain a connection to how things yes. used to be, especially in the nickel harpa world. There are, um, there's, there's just people of all types and some people are really insistent on doing it the traditional way. Mm -hmm. And some people really want to experiment. A very good example of that is, um, Eric Reedval who plays with Nordic, the band, and then, plays with other people. He's actually played with um, Lena and Brittany, Lena Janssen and Brittany Haas. Oh, they, yeah. um, they did a concert with Eric while I was over there. So they all know each other. He has a four row nickel mm. harpa tuned like a violin, GDAE, and yeah. plays a bunch of Bach music on oh, it right cool. now. He's, yeah, he's kind of like blown up on the internet with some of these videos of him playing classical repertoire on this instrument, which is not at all traditional like folk music, yes. right? Um, and so he's really like pushing the, the boundaries of what that can be. And some people are like fine with it. And some people are like a little bit like, oh, that's not the way things, you know, that's not a traditional nickel harpa. It's a yeah. different instrument. Um, but like, I don't know. I think they're, they tend to be pretty open to experimentation. And then there's also like, I lean more towards tradition. I like having mine tuned CGCA, yeah. right? That's even that is like a contentious topic. Yeah. If somebody posts on one of the forums, like, oh, has anybody tried tuning it up to D, CGDA? Yeah. And then a bunch of people will be like, why would you want to do that? That's not traditional. Yeah. You can't play the repertoire the right way that way. Yeah. And then some people are like, it doesn't matter. Give it a shot. Play, do your own thing. It's folk music. It's for everybody. Um, yeah. One really interesting uh, phenomenon has been the political climate in Scandinavia over the last decade or so, um, 
there's a far right movement, very anti-immigrant, yes. especially. Um, and they have actually, in the last um, general election, which was last fall, they were sort of trying to claim like folk music as their music and as a symbol of Swedish nationalism yeah. in a really um, aggressive and like far right kind of way. Yeah. And they've been doing this for a while. There was actually a sort of a, a group that formed in response to it called Folk Musicians Against Racism. Um, over there. <laughs> Succinct <laughs> yeah. title. <laughs> yeah. Love that. And they will go out whenever the far right, um, Sveria Demokraterna, those kind of uh, far right groups will have like rallies. Sometimes the folk musicians against racism will go out and like play folk music yeah. at the rallies and be like, no. Yeah. Um, and there was actually a petition that a bunch of folk musicians signed saying, like, basically telling the far right groups not to mm. that they don't get to claim the music as as an, a symbol of yeah. nationalism and they don't endorse that viewpoint and yeah. please don't use our music for that there's been yeah it's it's been a really interesting um specifically with the folk music are uh, there that many far right uh, folks like playing the music um i mean if there are i probably didn't run into too many of them yeah and their politics are not as divisive as ours are in a lot of ways. Like yeah. it's hard to even compare. Um, it's just so much more of a spectrum because they have a parliamentary system and they have different, like right. more representative government in some ways. Yeah. So you can be like, I'm a green party and I'm a li liberal party. I'm a moderate Democrat. I forget all the names and Swedish <sighs> that names. That sounds nice. But yeah, so I think there's less, <laughs> I, there's less focus on a binary yeah. over there. Um, but there are, I mean, there's, there's people everywhere who are going to have really um, extreme views. And I think there are probably folks in the folk scene that do that. I don't interact with them a whole lot. Yeah. Most of the young people and like my peers I met at school and my friends over there are like the young hippie, left-wing, folky, yeah. super chill people. Um, and they don't really, I don't know, they, they didn't seem... They were very open to like meeting an American. It was really interesting actually to just live abroad for a year and explain like American politics to people who who have this viewpoint of us that they get from the media sure. that does not actually reflect like how day-to-day -day American life is mm. and sort of just comparing my country to their country. We're both yeah. like first world, pretty stably economic countries with, you know, all of a middle class whose needs are being met. So you're kind of on the same ground and you're all, you're all there just to learn about Nicol Harpa. So it's like, yeah. it's going to be a certain kind of person that's into that, but it was still just really interesting to hang out with these people and all be learning traditional music, mm. even though, I mean, we had a Japanese girl there. There were a few Americans, a Swiss girl, a couple Brits, um, Germany. There was like a spread of people who were all interested in learning Scandinavian folk music. And it was a, a really cool environment, I guess, to approach learning a, a tradition hmm. from one's very specific place. Yeah. I don't know if that answered your question. That's a great all. answer. Lots of answers. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. It's, it's an interesting community. Hmm. And it is funny being back in America um, where the approach is different here. There mm. is a Scandinavian like folk scene in America and 
it's different than the actual Scandinavians in their folk scene. <laughs> like the dancing, especially here, people tend to be fairly rigid in the way that they approach the traditional dances. And mm. I suspect that it's mostly that we really don't have much exposure to what's happening with the dance there. Right. Because there it's a living tradition and every weekend in the summer people are going and dancing and the dances evolve a little bit. Yeah. So like I was over there and learned Boon Polska, which is a kind of Polska in Upland, which is where that comes from. And then I moved back to America and met these American Scandinavian folk dancers and like would try to play a boon polska for them and they were all saying that's way too fast that's not yeah. how you should play it and i was like well actually i was i was just there I was <laughs> that's how they play it and it's just because some dude from scandinavia came over in 1986 or whatever yeah. taught some portlanders how to dance boon polska and that's the dance they still dance yeah so it's like it's it's got this interesting, it's an interesting community here to be part of. It's people who are really enthusiastic about it because you need to be to like keep playing nickel harpo when sure. there's no one else around you sure. who's doing it. And you're really just living off of the passion you have for this instrument and for the dance. But the community is so small that sometimes I think things have stayed the same for a long time interesting. in the American communities. And part of what I want to do is get people into it who are not familiar with it and teach people the dances like yeah, i want to learn square dancers and contra dancers like you can learn a shotish it's not yeah. that hard and it's really fun and i want to show people who've had just exposure to vesson or to lena jonsson and Brittany haas yeah that there's like a whole world that goes along with those tunes there's dances that go along with it and there's like all these different dialects of folk music depending on where you are in Scandinavia. So like a Norwegian tune from the north of Norway does not sound the same as a Norwegian tune from the south of Norway, even if they're both called pulse. Like yeah. there's there's all these flavors and a whole like a whole world of it and it's I don't know, I'd like to get more people into it because I think it's really fun. Mm. And build our own community. <laughs> so you wanna plug that in general sure <laughs> but, but uh so let's play another two but then let's talk about let's talk about your band yeah um and then uh mm -hmm. play one more tune after that. awesome yeah let's do um bellman's polska which one okay, can we uh i feel like i'm ready now okay Thank you. 
Wow, that is <laughs> also very tricky. <laughs> yeah, there's different like things that- I chose the hardest songs to play, I'm so sorry. I can, I can only imagine that that's like, those phrase links are idiomatic. They all go with dances. Ah, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they all go with dances. <laughs> I could have picked even harder ones. To well, be thank fair. you for having a little There's bit of like mercy on me. All the Western Sweden ones, the meters, like the second beat comes before yeah. the second beat should come. <laughs> it's very odd. So we're gonna play one more, but before mm -hmm. we do that, talk, talk about your bands, please. Yeah, I have a band. Um, I finally found the right people to play with yeah. who wanted to do this weird stuff and try it out. So we're called Varelsa, um, spelled V-A-R-E-L-S-E. It means creature in Swedish. Mm. Um, if you're a fan of Orson Scott Card's Speaker for the Dead. big nerd and <laughs> you, <laughs> read all those books. You will also recognize it as a term used <laughs> in that sci-fi series. Um, yeah, so I it took me a long time to come up with a name that was like didn't mean anything accidentally offensive in any language right. and like was sort of pronounceable by yeah. an American or like someone who spoke not Swedish as their first language and then like meant something that was not just like I don't know sidewalk or like yeah. you know the Polska players or, you know, like yeah, that sure. one's really fun. It took a while. <laughs> so we're Polska called Varelsa. Um, just by coincidence, we will end up right next to Vesen on any list of, you yeah, know, yeah. so that's convenient, but yeah. not planned per se. Um, yeah, so I play Nico Harpa and then I have um, a fiddle player, Colin Stackhouse, who's in the old time scene as well. He's from Alaska, I believe. And oh, cool. Yeah. Um, and then a guitar player, Joe Pomianic, who also plays like old time in bluegrass. He's from the Bay Area. Um, he's great. He's delightful. <laughs> he's so good. <laughs> he's so good. And good hang too. <laughs> I'm really glad that you're saying that because maybe now he'll believe me when I say it. But yeah, he's one of those people who's just like, he's so good at the instruments he plays and is so humble and yeah. just like a wonderful person. They're all really great bandmates, honestly. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's, everybody's just chill and relaxed and like wants to try things. And so the, our last member is a percussionist. His name's Steven Skolnick. And he and I and Ellie were all in youth orchestra together. Oh, neat. <laughs> which is funny, he was like tuning the timpanis all the time in rehearsal and stuff. And we never spoke in high school. We went to the same high school. Um, and then I ran into him at some random show at the hallowed halls here in town, like a f couple of years ago. And, um, yeah, we started talking about the weird music we play and how we stayed in Portland and didn't like move to California or whatever. Um, and yeah, he's really into these West African drums and, and traditional drum stuff and like hand percussion and world percussion. He went to school for percussion most of what he does around town is like plays in awesome funk bands and like mm. jazz like he's a great drummer on like a jazz kit yeah. and then on in this band he plays mostly an instrument called an aludu which is an aluminum version of an udu yeah. which is a west african ceramic drum <laughs> so it's like this cool kind of mix um that's what he's playing on your on y'all's uh 
uh, Garfield's Blackberry mm -hmm, Blossom, right? Yeah, the like... It sounds incredible. <laughs> it's so cool. It's, it's awesome. It reminds me sort of of a tabla, like yeah. that sort of tonality, weird sound thing. Um, yeah, so we play a lot of sort of my... We have an album that's coming out soon. Um, our name means creature, and so Joe suggested that the album be called Creature Comforts as Very a good. joke, and we couldn't think of anything better, yeah. so <laughs> that's what it's called. Yeah. Um, and it's a lot of original tunes of mine, so um, I didn't. We didn't play any here, but uh, I've written some like Swedish stuff, um, but they're original compositions. And then we play one traditional tune from Finland, actually, and then a, a couple old time tunes and a few of Colin's compositions and stuff. It's all instrumental, um, but yeah, it's really fun to like have people who share my weird vision of like. Yeah trying to do some sort of blend of traditional and not at all traditional. And um, I really want to have it be open to like other folk traditions. So not just like we're a Swedish band because we have nickel hair, but like I, I want to play old time music on it. I want to play bluegrass tunes sometimes. I, I Colin plays a lot of like Irish stuff as well. So it's it's really fun. We're having fun with it. And I'm really excited and happy mm. to be. I'm really excited for the album release show. Mm -hmm. It's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Yeah. Get my hands on a, on a copy. Mm -hmm. um, what do you want to play for this last tune? Well, yeah, we were talking about Beast in Polska, Beast which in is Polska. a tune written by Ula Vyonson, who was my nickel, nickel hero, nickel harpa hero. Um, I love that video game. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he's from Basen, and um, he was one of my main teachers at school in Sweden. And I um, am not at all ashamed to say that I just like take everything he does and says and tries try to copy it. And Great. yeah, he's he's definitely like my uh, my hero, my musical idol. And it's really weird to have like babysat his child and taught her the banjo and just see him as like a normal human now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he's great. Shout out to Olaf. Thanks, Olaf. <laughs> if you're listening out there, um, we're gonna play one of his tunes, Beast in Polska, which he once told me. I think he wrote it after their first tour in America. Um, it's like it's spelled like bison Polska, so I yeah. think that's he's oh, like referencing the animal bison oh, cool. that maybe he saw on tour. But that might be a lie that he made up as a sure, story. Sure. It's hard to tell sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we'll play that. Thanks so much for being on the show. This mm -hmm. is so fun. Thanks for having me. <laughs> it's really fun to get to play with you.
If you're listening to this the day it comes out and you live near Portland, Oregon, you should go to Varelsa's CD release show tomorrow, April 14th. If you can't, that's when their album drops, so you can find links to buy it on their website, verelsamusic.com, or their Facebook page, which you should like and follow anyway, so you know when they play near you. Just follow the links in this episode's show notes. Thanks again to Elderly Instruments for all their support. You can visit Elderly Instruments' online store at elderly.com. If you want to hang out with me twice a week, I have another podcast called Think Outside the Box Set. You can find that wherever you get your podcasts or boxset.website. It is not kid-friendly, but it is a lot of fun, and we're starting Season 8 next week. Hope you listen. That's all for now, friends. Thanks for listening. Come back same time next week to get up in the cool. <laughs>